love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. Don't you just love a good love story? Love is like that. It's the light that is part of your life. It's unconditional. There's something there for all of us. There's hope that we can get through this and find some joy in our lives. He's always been the one. Self-love is a love story too. Those little sparks of joy are really important. Imagine someone making your biggest dream come true. It's important for people to understand that you're not alone. We love to be part of a Canadian love story. The love story never ends. Well, love is the most important thing. It's just being comfortable with one another and not having to work at that, but still celebrate that when the occasion arises, celebrate in the good times. I think that's, to me, uh, what love is. And every anniversary for 51 years, he's never forgotten to bring me flowers. I know how much I'm loved. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Today's love story belongs to Mary Janet and Cecil. We've already met MJ on the love map in season four when we focused in on the phenomenal success of her Facebook cooking show, Tunes and Wooden Spoons. But today we move from the kitchen to the living room in their cozy Cape Breton home. We meet Cecil and hear a tale of good old fashioned love and laughter. This is the Canadian Love Map. Hi, Mary Janet and Cecil. Good afternoon, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. I want to start with a confession, if you don't mind, Mary Janet, because oh, on Valentine's Day, I want to be transparent before this conversation. On Valentine's Day, I called your house and Cecil answered, and you had said, you better ask him yourself if we're going to do this. And he answered, and I said, Cecil, will you be my Valentine? I know Mary Janet's there, but could could we share? And he said an easy yes without even knowing who it was. <laughs> after after 51 years, I think he's tired of me. <laughs> it's good to share the Valentine's love. Oh, it's so great to have you both here. I, you know, I can't help but feel a little hungry just seeing you in your home because I've spent time in your warm home and your fantastic kitchen. And Mary Janet, of course, you're famous the world over now for your Tunes and Wooden Spoons show and your cookbooks. But Cecil is famous for a different reason. I am. <laughs> Cecil, I think you're famous for your dry sense of humor. And that is what made me feel like we were kindred spirits the moment we met. But I want to talk right now about the moment you two met. Okay. I'm going to leave that up to him to tell you. Okay. <laughs> take me back, Cecil. I'll take you back. I was at a square dance in Mabu. They have them every Saturday night. And sometimes the dancers will uh, uh, individually step dance, which 
Mary Janet, of course, was a step dancer. I was 19 or 20. Probably 19, yeah. So I asked her to dance, and we danced. And then tradition usually has it if the girl will dance the last dance with you, you have a good chance of taking her home, right? (laughs) There weren't dance cards still in those days, were there? No, (laughs) but they were in your head. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, she had already told somebody else that she would dance the last dance with him. Of course, if she knew that I was going to ask her, she wouldn't have said that, but you know. Oh, of course. <laughs> she, missed, she missed the boat is what you're telling me. So anyway, we were outside and saw her leaving with this guy, and I just promised my college buddies that I'll marry that girl someday, and <laughs> so I did. You're kidding. <laughs> and that was the first night you saw her and you made that determination. Yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> What do you think it was about her that made you jump to that conclusion? Gosh, I'll be flattering her here if I. Keep oh, it's talking. okay. <laughs> Just this once. Well, she smiled a lot. You can tell she was she was, you know, upbeat, and uh, of course she was good looking. And uh, <laughs> was. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> you know, just sort of a uh, kind of a type of person I'd like to be with, I guess. So. I'd find that out later on that and it turned out to be true. So you could see her spark that night. Right? Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. And Mary Janet, could you see his? I enjoyed dancing with him. I mean, that was big for me to be able to have a partner who was a good dancer. And uh I really enjoyed my my square set with him. And after that, we were at another square dance and you were my corner partner. I remember that. And uh, I kind of knew who he was anyway, but to clarify that, Cecil comes from 13 in his family, and he's the second youngest. Mm -hmm. He's number 12. He's Mm -hmm. number 12. His two oldest sisters married two of my uncles. Really? So I kind of knew off that family anyway. And uh, I mean, I lived in Mabu, he lived in Port Hood. You kind of ran around in the same circles, and uh, then we started letter writing. Uh-huh. You went. To, he went to university, and he was in Boston in the summertime working. What were you doing in Boston, Cecil? Uh, mostly painting. We you'd sneak across the border to get summer work, <laughs> right? You're kidding? Just uh, a bunch of guys in a picture. Just in yeah, a just, yeah. Once I went up on a bus. Once we drove up. And we had those about eight of us staying in the same apartment and cooked our own meals and went to work every day trying to make some money for university. And because we were, I mean, there was no money at home then. It was, well, there wouldn't be with 13 kids anyway, but my dad was just a laborer and my mom cooked bread every day, you know, and <laughs> a ton of other things, right? So we had to kind of raise our own money in the summer times. What was it about growing up in your household that prepared you for that first square dance with Mary Janet? Why were you a good dancer? Jeez, never thought of that. <laughs> well, I, I think there's there's music in our family. I guess that I thought mm-hmm. that kind of came naturally. Like we loved to sing at home and like I picked up the guitar later on, but music was, I mean, everything and it was for her, so... I think I I would like to interject you here. You go right ahead. <laughs> because I think a, t- a typical Cape Breton home, um, especially back in the day of uh, 
those days anyway, you had to make your own good time. We didn't live in a city. We were, you were in a rural community. And uh, the best way to, um, to make your own good time was to have a sing song or have a fiddle player and people gathered in the homes. And that was, that was how you made your, your good times. You know, I think, that's why there's so much music, I think, in Cape Breton anyway, because that environment at home uh, was really nurtured by, uh, okay, who's having the party? It's not like you could go to the mall at, at any given day or, or go to the movies or anything like that. You had to make your own good time. So I think music just filled everybody. I, I, there's so many talented people. And uh, I, I knew he had music. He could keep time. He could sing. So it was a good thing. He was checking those boxes. <laughs> in high school, uh, we used to, every person in our gang or our people we hung around with, every second week they'd have a party at their home. So it would, this person tonight, two weeks time, Friday night. Great. And it, there was no alcohol. It was just music and dancing and food. Mm-hmm. And so wow. we, were, we were dancing quite a bit, really. Yeah. That's amazing. And and you were letter writing. Let's get back to that, because I, I'd love to hear about that uh, exchange. <laughs> well, I, I, It's a funny story. I'd hide myself in a bedroom up in Boston and write so nobody knew I was writing there. <laughs> all those other guys in the apartment had to not be aware. Oh, yeah, they weren't into that at all then. So then she can take it from there. Well, I have to tell you that I was raised by my grandmother's sister. So it was my my uh, my grandmother's sister, born in 1902. So she already had a family of her own, six children. And when she took me after my mother died, and uh, she was really strict, right? She, did, she didn't want me getting too serious with this fellow. So um, anyway, when he would want to send me a letter he would have to send it to my girlfriend who was my maid of honor (laughs) ethel and then she would give me the letter and i would have the letter and mama never knew that that he was writing me from boston wow i love (laughs) that so he had to smuggle letters out and you had to smuggle them in (laughs) that's right that's right (laughs) Wow. So how did love survive in those circumstances? Well, um, he came to my grade 12 prom. Like he was two years older than me. So he came to my prom. He was at St. FX University in Antigonish. And um, for my grade 12 prom, I was the leader of the Grand March. I don't know if the schools still do Grand Marches, but we did. It was a huge uh, display uh, mm-hmm. at that time when, when you graduated. And it was just all this choreographed walking around to, you know, favorite songs and uh, making all of these uh, really, really nice formations. And then, so he was going to come to my prom and he did. And uh, then I went to your winter carnival at, at St. Vex. But, but that was, uh, of, of course, shady as well, because my sister lived in Antigonish, so I was going to Antigonish to see my sister, but I went to his winter carnival at St. FX. Oh, my gosh. It's a wonder I survived. Oh, the but- truth is coming out today. <laughs> anyway, all said and Margaret done. Ann is rolling over. I, oh, God, I know. <laughs> poor mama. Uh, poor mama. She, she just she knew the trouble I was going to get into. <laughs> Oh my gosh. 
we were still, we were dating and uh, on and off and going to, to dances and all of that. Then all of a sudden, mama just said, that's it. No more. You're getting too serious. So, I mean, I was 17. I graduated from high school when I was 17. I had taken a steno course and I went to work that year with the school board where I stayed for more than 30 years. Uh, he would come to see me at the courthouse because that's where the school board office was and <laughs> all of that. And we had to figure out, well, I guess we're just going to have to break up because she wanted us to break up because that was that was absolutely it. That's interesting. And she had taken you in when you were very young. Of course, a, a lot of listeners will already know your story from two seasons ago, I think. If you don't, this is your chance. After you listen to this episode, you can go back and listen to Mary Janet's yes. story. But I, I can understand that, you know, she had done so much for you in your life. And and as you say, she was strict. And when she laid down the law to say, nope, he's getting yeah. too serious, you're getting too serious, that's enough. That, that was it. I mean, she was a generation away, from, uh, uh, two generations away from me, really. And and she was a, a devout Catholic and just, nope. You're going to work and you're th that's it. You're not going to do that. So I had to break up with him and that was all said and done. And we both went our separate ways. And then I started going out with this other fellow who could also dance. <laughs> not as good as me. No, no, no. Never as good as you. <laughs> but that was a prerequisite. Yeah, that's right. We were dating and, and he was a, a very, very nice fellow. And, um, uh, so we're going along and we're going to square dances and, um, you know, carrying on like that. And I'd see Cecil and he, he had, was dating somebody else too. And, you know, they were just kind of pulling at your heartstrings a little bit, but you know, okay, it's just the way it's got to be. And then mama finds out that uh, uh, the uh, guy uh, I'm with is a Protestant. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's right. In those days, that was that was something. It was serious. So, so that 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 was it. When I talked to her, and I was saying, "Mom, you know, this is this is just not the way it is," you know. But no, nope, uh, you, you you're going to have to break up with him. So, so all of a sudden, Cecil was looking better. He was looking good. So here's the part that comes into an arranged marriage. Oh. An arranged marriage. I, I say I'm in an arranged marriage. Oh Cecil, you can take it over from here. Okay, an arranged marriage. Cecil, take it away. Well, I never <laughs> called it that, but unknown to me, one of my sister's husband is a was a relative of her grandmother, not the not the boys that were married to her uncles, another sister. And apparently, she got a letter one night from Margaret Ann, the grandmother. Yeah, my my grand my aunt, grand my granddad, yes. And it was to get a message to me to come back and ask Mary Janet to go out with me again. Oh, I love it. She decided to meddle. Yeah, so Carmelita, my sister, brought the message to me and I said, well, "What's going on here?" I really didn't, didn't know at the time what was really going on because I hadn't spoken to Mary Janet. Anyway, uh, I called her up. On a I remember Thursday when Margaret Ann answered the phone. She said, "Who is this?" She thinking <laughs> it was the other fellow, and I said, "This is Cecil." 
Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. She said bingo. She said bingo. She'll be home at 930. <laughs> so she so, was keen. So I drove out there at 930, sure enough, or whatever, and picked her up. And the rest is history, I guess. You got the seal of approval. I guess so. You yeah. did. Oh, no, she hollered at me a couple of times, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What was your wedding like? Oh, actually, I better ask about the proposal. The proposal? Oh, my gosh. I remember the proposal. I mm-hmm. I, I was, yes, I remember very well. Okay. We were, I, I was at Ian and Mary Jane's, uh, my, my first cousin oh, yes, and his yes, wife, yeah. and, and they had, um, two little children and I was visiting them and Cecil came to, to pick me up and I was coming down the stairs with the little girl and I fell down every stair uh, down to the bottom. No. And I was, I, I was holding out that child with for dear life. She was about two years old, but anyway, I was in tears and she was okay. She went with her mom and then I went with Cecil and we went for a drive down my my real father's lane is where my 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 cousin and his wife were living and at the bottom of the lane he stopped the car and he had somehow found a a, a present that was given to me and left in a in a little package when my mother died at 37 she packed up little parcels for each of her five children and in my parcel was her engagement ring and uh oh, and her, yeah and cecil got the ring and and took it to the jewelry store took the diamonds out and uh, what they they whatever they did with the gold melted it down or whatever and made it into the the ring i i i wear my engagement ring that he gave me on that day so it was in my father and mother my real father and mother's lane uh, that I received my engagement ring, and I said yes. Wow, that's really beautiful. He didn't have to work to convince you, Mary Janet. No, no, it was it was the it was the the right thing for sure. I asked him a while ago what it was that he saw in you. What did you see in him? Cecil is, and still is, a uh, a very good and kind person. He was just very respectful. He's just a good conversationalist and he makes me laugh. That's what I was waiting for. I was going to say (laughs) that if you didn't mention that, I was going to say, I think he makes you laugh a lot. Yeah, he does. He does. Sometimes I could give give him a good shove sometimes, (laughs) but it's well, it's just the way it is. <laughs> you can't beat me in cards, so I get oh. called all kinds of names. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so back to your love story. So she said yes, Cecil, and then you had to set about a wedding. And when was the wedding a big deal or a small affair? Oh, big deal, big big deal. Was it deal? Yeah. Oh, tell you me. you can't have a small wedding in Mabu. You just can't. So it was a big church wedding in Mabu, November the 27th, 1971. And I loved that date anyway, because um, my sister, Minnie, was married six years before that on the same day. And now Minnie would be Natalie McMaster's mom. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, 
I'm close to all of, of mama's six children that she had before me. They are my brothers and sisters, as well as my own blood siblings. Mm-hmm. But Minnie and I share a, a, a very close relationship. I mean, we talk still pretty near every day. And of course, she was uh, one of my teachers uh, who taught me to step dance. So uh, we have that connection as well. I thought November 27th, that would share that day. So every year we share that day together, uh, Minnie and Alec and Cecil and I, uh, I always give her a call or she gives me a call to wish us a happy anniversary. So in Mabu, you have to have fiddle music. And those days, it, fiddle music and some round dance music was basically the way you celebrated at a wedding. And uh, in those days, you called it a wedding breakfast that you had first, the big meal after the church. Uh, we went to your mother's house and uh, just had a couple of snacks. And then we went back for the wedding breakfast, they called it. Oh. Uh, because back in the early days, they would get married like first thing in the morning because in many ways they had to catch a train. So they would have a breakfast at the home and it just kind of transferred uh, and kept going. It's only been probably in the last 30 years that it got changed to the, the wedding dinner and reception because it was the wedding breakfast. Prior to the wedding, of course, we we went to the Royal Bank here in Port Hood. And we borrowed a tiny little bit of money. I think it was like $800. Can't remember. Because uh, I, I had to buy a wedding dress and I had my bridesmaids with me, my maid of honor, especially Ethel, the one who smuggled the letters across the border. <laughs> <laughs> Infamous <laughs> Ethel. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, we picked out the fabric, a hot pink velvet for my attendees. And, and the necks of all the dresses were up to our neck. N- not like you see today. <laughs> <laughs> no no plunging cleavage. <laughs> no, not, none of that. Because you were shy. We were shy. You we were. were. I was a little shy, yes, but everybody was. And you had to get a going away outfit. Have yes. you? Do you remember those? I do. I think my generation was just on the edge of that. The whole, oh yes, you're going away outfit. So I had a, a a nice black top with a with a gray belt, and the the belt matched to the tweed pants and the high heels, and that's what you did. And we had music and square dancing and round dancing at at our wedding. So many couples today get caught up in the pomp and ceremony. And, and they're not really present for their oh. wedding. Do you remember really enjoying and, and having fun at your wedding? I absolutely Definitely. had a ball. I think I mean, we never stopped dancing the whole night. The <laughs> whole night. surprised me. Everybody, the place was full. And did you catch the train that day? <laughs> we had no train. Oh, no train. No, no train in those I, days. I, rented, I had to get my tuxedos for everybody didn't have my own car then and I rented a car and I had to go to Sydney to get it uh-huh. and by the time I got back I was supposed to get a haircut and I was too late getting back so my hair was longer than ever and everybody thought that was great and I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a hippie style yeah mm-hmm. and then we uh had the car and decided it would go up to Ontario on our honeymoon. So I just returned the car and at the airport in Halifax and off we went to Ontario. And isn't it true you took a lot of your wedding gifts with you? 
all the envelopes <laughs> yeah. with the cash. <laughs> tell, tell me about that. When did you open them? In the hotel. And Cecil, seriously, Cecil was watching a game on TV and I was opening the envelopes. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Very romantic. Very romantic. <laughs> You'd be but, reading uh, the contents of a card and he'd go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's right. And <laughs> there would be, you know, traditionally back then, $2 bills, which we don't even have anymore. Oh. $2 bills, $5 bills, a lot of fives. And it was rare that you get a 20 or, you know, a 10. It was a lot of money and enough for us to board the plane on standby because I was 19 and he was 21 and he still had a student pass. We were able to, to get to his sister's in Dundas, Ontario. And we spent a few days there before coming back home. That is wonderful. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centres. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centres are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. So you, you came back to life, and when did the kids start coming along? The very next year, we had Tammy, and uh, she was born in the summer of uh, 1972. Then the following year, Brennan came along, and then we had a three-year break before we had Margie, and then we had a three-year break before we had Gordy. And when he was 15 months old, I came home with Kelly and Krista, the twins. Oh, my goodness. And then lastly, we had a five-year break before the baby Mitchell was born. So, yeah, we had a busy life. It's wonderful. So, Gordy was 15 months when you brought twins home. I'm I'm stuck on that. At one point, all seven children were in hockey. Right, and I think Tam- we all- Tammy's last year was in ringette, actually. Ringette, okay. And that was Mitchell's first year in hockey. So there were seven of them going to arenas, scattered around the county, and it was busy. But it, the hockey was—we loved both loved the game anyway. So I know that Mary Janet taught step dancing. Cecil, did you coach at all? Did you coach hockey? Yeah, I coached high school hockey for about fifteen years. Besides, I was playing myself. I loved it. I loved every minute of it, except getting home at one o'clock in the morning and going to school the next day. But uh, to, to this day, a lot of my former players come to visit. One of my players turned 19. He came up and had his first, well, what he said was his first drink <laughs> to share with me because I had been his coach. Things like that. That's significant. I mean, it, it shows that you really had an impact on a young life. I like to think that I did, but not in that way so much as I taught a lot of them as well. Mm-hmm. So it was so easy to teach them when they're your player after the school day is over, right? What was it like and, and what did both of you love about having a big family? Now, I know by Cape Breton standards, that was just an average size family, but mm-hmm. you had lots of youngsters in the house. What do you remember about those days other than the, the hockey and the running around? I wouldn't trade it for the world, and neither would our children growing up in a big family. Yes, they fought like 
cats and dogs and like like kids do, but they wouldn't trade that for the world. And part of me recalls just the busyness of of raising them and the laundry and uh, you know I was working most of the time full time and just trying to juggle life and and extracurricular and meals and, and cloth uh, diapers probably oh my god yes cloth oh, diapers yeah, yeah. yes all oh, of that how, all of that how how did you do it we made our own good time and they all learned how to cook all learned how to bake mm-hmm. and Brennan started learning with Cecil and and playing guitar and sometimes you couldn't even afford a babysitter to go out and so if we wanted to have a good time we would invite our friends in and play the guitar and lots of music and fun like that and that that's what they grew up with and that's what they remember all the the old songs they can sing Johnny Cash just as well as as uh, you know Mariah Carey these days, I don't know. But I don't think if you talked to them that they would say that they absolutely loved and uh, growing up in a big family. And uh, yes, it's big by some people's standards. And yes, they had to wear hand-me-downs, shopped at secondhand stores, meeting paycheck to paycheck was a challenge sometimes. And, uh, you know, some people had maybe two kids and they would get all this wonderful stuff at Christmas. And you're thinking, oh, my God. Mm. But you know what? They never complained. They never complained. I I remember our oldest daughter, Tammy, one Christmas, she got a name brand sweater. At that time, Esprit was a big thing. It was a big deal. and. I bought her this really nice pullover sweater and it was a spree and she could have cried. She was so happy, but it was just little things like that. But they, they got along, they got along fine. And I think it made them better human beings to grow up in, in a group like that and learning how to share and uh, share tasks and work. Although sometimes they didn't do chores as good as they should have, but I know no complaints here. That's what used to get me cranky. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Trying to get them to do dishes and stuff. I'd come home from school at maybe four o'clock, and I was after leaving for school at maybe eight o'clock, and the bus didn't come till quarter to nine, so they they were still home when I'd go to school and she'd go to work, and mm-hmm. you'd come home and there was you'd start at one corner of the kitchen and there was <laughs> peanut butter and jam and bread <laughs> and crusts and right right from one end to the other, right. So I used to be, all oh, used to drive me nuts. <laughs> Did you take your meter stick home? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't. I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh my gosh. So now you've got grandchildren as well. And it seems to me that, you know, as you described Mary Janet, they they got so much out of their childhood, the way you brought them up. And it seems like your family is so close now. They really, really are close. I have to say that they are, they're, they're in touch, if not daily, then every other day. And all of the grandchildren are, are close too. And they, as they get older, are, you know, they're FaceTiming with their cousins out in Alberta and they're just one big happy family. And it's, and they're there for one another. They're always there for one another and helping one another out. They're really good humans. 
They're very respectful. They do anything for anyone. Good humans don't always just happen. It takes often good parenting. I'd love to ask, what do you think made Cecil a great father? Oh, dear. Uh, there had to be a disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was number one. So you you kind of balance between the two of those, you know. He would mean business and and they would do stuff for him that they probably wouldn't do for me because they, I was an old softy. Would you say that? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, we just made it work between us. We had a a good balance, I think, in many ways. And I think that's where his strong point was, you know, just keeping things in order and straight. And and now, you know, it's it's so nice. I love when when the kids, you know how the, the kids call mom all the time. But I love how Cecil now has a cell phone since a few years and how just on random days, you know, the girls, hi dad, they'll call his phone and they'll, they want to talk to him. Oh, that's great. And I think that speaks to, uh, you know, they can talk to mom any day, but I love when they take the time out just to call him. Can't and get cross uh, at them anymore. No. That's right. You can't. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I, I picture this good cop, bad cop uh, scenario that you're describing. But yeah. in his own way, I bet Cecil was a big softy. Oh, my God. 100%. Right. Yeah. Oh, his bottom lip has sh- shook on many occasions, reading cards and poems and even songs that were written. You know, the kids, of course, as you may know, are, are very musical. And they they have a band, and uh, Brennan was in a band in the '90s called Kilt that traveled mm-hmm. across Canada and into the U.S. and and four of the seven kids formed a, a group called Company Road, and they do their gigs here and there, and uh, we're just so proud of what they've become in their own lives and with their own children but also their their musical capabilities. They're not out there making CDs or anything like that, but they're a really great entertaining group. And I think it speaks to a lot of what they've learned from Cecil. I'm quite proud of uh, what Mom just said there. I was born and raised on the company road. That's my home address. Oh. I suggested why don't they call their band Company Road and they jumped all over it. So it was kind of meant something to me yeah i get a little soft on things like that yeah i know he yeah. does he gets soft with that <laughs> it's well it's a beautiful tribute and cecil i need to loop back to you to ask what was so special about mary janet as a mother well i will say she's pretty easy going like she doesn't get upset rarely she's uh very flexible like this show in itself right now. I would never on my own say yes to this, where they might call from Timbuktu tomorrow and she'd be on a plane to go there. and Whatever comes along, she's willing to tackle it. Well, the only complaint I ever had, she wouldn't be strict enough with the kids. <laughs> Other than that, she took them everywhere. She went to hockey. She was very, very loving. And I'm looping uh, back to something. Have you never seen her mad? Rarely. Like oh, I said, when I beat her in gosh. cards, she'll give me the yeah. finger or something like no, that. No, I don't. Oh, my God. Erase, erase. erase. <laughs> Tell me, is that the secret to a good marriage that you laugh a lot? Or what, what do you think has been the secret? 
to your success uh, as parents and as husband and wife? Combination of, of numerous things like music, laughter, being together a lot. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. we've always, it's, it's been an open door here for the kids to return and their grandkids to return. And there's never loneliness. You know, you're, there's always something going on. Even when she goes away or I go on the odd trip, it's, it's encouraged to go. You know I mean? We're supportive. I'll say that's a good word. I would say yes. And I think also we don't worry a lot, Cecil. I don't. No, we don't. We don't worry. We don't let things bother us and we don't lament over something that went wrong. You just move on. And I guess don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And just accept if it's something, if it's a little trouble, well, you know, find a solution and move on and, and uh, you know, take it, take it as it comes, you know, and just say, well, you know. Well, we're not holy rollers or anything, but our Christian life has been part of our It's very important. Very important. We 52 pray. years. It must have been that, that glue they advertised that never comes apart or something. <laughs> Crazy glue. <laughs> Crazy glue, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And what's in the future for you two now? Well, I think we have quite a few years still ahead. Here, here. I want to spend a lot of that just being good grandparents and, you know, investing in our grandchildren and making them love to come home to grandma and grandpa's house because they do now. And it's so wonderful to have them in our lives. And the oldest is is 23. I don't think he's missed a summer coming home yet. He just loves to come home. And uh, the youngest is two. I think it's important that we be good role models to them and uh, maybe sometimes what they won't talk to their parents about, they may talk to us about. We found that just being there for for them and still, you're still here for your own children. You never quit being a mom and a dad. Uh, And sometimes they can be going through some difficult times. And uh, I think that's our role as we go forward. And you're only as old as as you feel. We're young at heart, I think. I never think about how old I am. And then I say, I'm 71? Wow. How did that happen? Uh, but I don't feel 71. Like, I, I think I'm 39 in my head. <laughs> do you still dance together? We do when we go out. If we go out to some place, we still dance. And You've uh, still got it. It's hard we, to get close yeah. down, though. <laughs> Okay, I want to finish with this uh, maybe kind of strange question, but what what does love mean to you? To me, it's being together with someone and that you don't really have to, to say anything. You just know. It's just being together, even if you're just side by side, just watching a show. It's just being comfortable with one another and not having to work at that, but still celebrate that when the occasion arises, celebrate in the good times. I think that's, to me, uh, what love is. It's a hard act to follow, Cecil. What does love mean to you? When someone comes in a room and they want to hug and all that, you know, that's, I wouldn't do that. I'll cooperate, but I don't go running to get hugs, right? (laughs) (laughs) Even though I don't show it, maybe sometimes it's certainly there. He's he's more private. Mm Mm-hmm. 
more private yeah. with, with your affection. And that's fine, you know. Cecil is always remembers. He gets these wonderful cards that he gives me on my birthday or on Valentine's Day or on our anniversary. And every anniversary for 51 years, he's never forgotten to bring me uh, flowers. And uh, I know how much I'm loved. Mm -hmm. If I'm going away for two weeks or whatever, I, I always kiss him goodbye, kiss him and hug him when I get home. But we don't do that in front of everybody. I don't know. It's just an old-fashioned way, I think, of demonstrating where, God, when you were visiting Mitchell and Laura, you know, they're washing dishes and he stops and he puts his arms around her and he kisses her and hugs her. And and it's a beautiful thing, but it's just a new way of, of showing that. And they are just... You're just lucky I'm doing dishes. <laughs> But, um, oh my God! <laughs> well, you know what? I I want to say thank you so much, and and Cecil, I love the way you put that because you may not you may not be the one who goes in for the bear hug or says I love you all the time, but your energy screams it. You <laughs> you you have the most. You both have the most loving energy. Two of the most loving humans I think I've ever met. And wow. that was why it was really important for me to invite you to be guests today. Wow. And I just want to say thank you. Well, oh, thank Nancy, you. thank you very much. And I hope you'll come back soon for another visit. Well, I'd like to apply to be uh, your honorary eighth child. Okay, you're you're it. You're it. <laughs> I I just love being in your your house. You and clean your up after supper, and I do dishes like nobody's business, Cecil. So you won't have to. I promise I'll clean up after myself. <laughs> thank you both so much. Oh, thank you very much, Nancy. Thank it's, you. it's an honor. It's an honor. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.